All right, hey, this is Brent Leary, and I am sitting at the Half Moon Bay, Ritz-Carlton, at the CCE conference that Constellation puts on. It's an annual event. It's been a really cool event. No and, doubt. And I had an opportunity to moderate a panel on uh, kind of the, the business side of sports, and it's a great panel. Got lots of great feedback. Mm -hmm. We had five great panelists, and one of those five great panelists is sitting right here is Steve Reese. He is the... CIO of the Phoenix Suns. So, Steve, thank you for joining me, man. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. How much fun was that panel? It was good. It was <laughs> very, very good. Uh, I think we would have been great if we'd have had a pitcher beer up there <laughs> and honestly just sat around and talked sports for an hour. Oh, we could have done that. I think people would have enjoyed it. I mean, the 25 minutes flew by. Lots of good stuff. Right. One thing that would have been cool, too, let me do it. Got a fireplace in the background here, too. Yeah, I like that. Because it's a little chilly out here right now, but this fire is, is perfect. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, so, compared, to, compared to Phoenix weather, let me tell you what, this is this is a little chilly for me. Anything below 60 is chilly, so oh. so having the fire right here, appreciate that. Yeah, you know, we brought it here just for you. Man. Okay, so uh, there was, I mean, the five panelists, each of you had like such mm -hmm. a really cool story and, and lots of great feedback from the audience, too. But I had to start with you at the panel because, well, you asked me to say, if you want to start it off with me, why don't you say how I slept my way to the top? Right. So right. I, you need to, of course, you need to explain that to the folks Absolutely. that are watching this. But uh, how did you sleep your way to the top? Yeah, interesting story. Um, it, it starts off somewhat as a personal story and then turns into a larger picture, and that is uh, about two and a half years ago, our head athletic trainer, at the time a guy named Aaron Nelson, came up to me and said he wanted to see what technology was available to fix both sleep and fat. Uh, we'd had some players arrive to training camp, a little overweight, wanted to see if there were devices available that would help us to lose uh, fat in a very fast period of time. Let me tell you, there's no shortcuts <laughs> except the right way. We'll just cut to the chase on that. But um, I've already said I could use that. But yeah, but on the <laughs> sleep side, what we discovered is that there really is a lot of connection between sleep and fat. So at the time Aaron and I were talking about this, we struck a deal, and that was that whatever we do for the players, I also wanted to include with the staff. Uh, one of the things that, that I've seen, not only within sports itself, but also within corporate America, is that we get so busy serving everybody else that we really forget to take time for ourselves. Mm. And it's much like a parent and that you've got the kids and you're very busy, but once in a while, mom and dad need to get out and, <laughs> and just have date night right. or just go to a hotel, sleep in and do whatever. So, uh, so as part of that, Aaron agreed that whatever testing was done, whatever studies we did would include uh, myself initially. And then as we dug into the data, we began to find out that we really wanted to include a good portion of our, our front office staff. Wow. Um, really interesting things we discovered uh, kind of during our research and that is if you're looking at just sleep metrics on their own 50% uh, of all Americans are sleep deprived and that's less than seven hours of sleep and, uh, and if I'm not uh, mistaken back in 1942 the average amount of sleep the Americans uh, slept was about eight hours a little bit over that eight hours uh, today the average amount of sleep is six hours or less and so what we're finding is that 
um, we really have a sleep issue that we need to deal with. And so if it were just sleep and being a little bit happier, we could probably get by with that. But what we're discovering is that there's a lot of ramifications when it comes to productivity. Uh, the average person who's sleep, sleep deprived will lose seven days of productivity a year wow. out of the office. Uh, people with obstructive sleep apnea, and this is a whole different topic that we can get into in our discovery in that, will cost their company close to $3,500 a year in additional medical benefits. And 30% of the U.S. population has moderate to severe sleep apnea. So with all those things, we began to kind of look down the road, and, and the number that struck me uh, the hardest was the fact that when you are six hours or less, and that's really the number we focused on because our initial sleep boot camp that we set up as part of the Phoenix Suns front office, uh, what we do is we ask for volunteers. Anybody who wants to be part of sleep boot camp uh, can come in. Uh, what we had is out of our original 21 participants, uh, one had slept five and a half hours on average a night. Wow. The previous three months, everybody else was less than that. They were under five hours. Do you think that's something, well, it's, uh, the national average is such, but do you think at a high pace, high pressure environment like a sports you know, franchise, do you guys, do you think there's even less sleep going on in that kind of environment? You know, um, yeah, that's a really good question. I, and I've thought a lot about that. Um, I'd love to think that that, that is unique to our sport, but then the, the problem becomes is that I, as I get around and I talk to people, um, I have all sorts of folks coming up to me that are non-sports related thing, neighbors, everybody else who are telling me they're sleeping four hours a night, there's a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. out there, there's a lot of pressure, uh, people want to hold on to their jobs, we're in good economic times, so that seemed maybe it's helped a little bit. Mm. Um, but I'm finding that, you know, probably within our environment it's a little bit more because we have about 150 event days a year. Okay. And so your event staff are the folks that have to tear down the court on a Friday night, set up for a Metallica concert Saturday morning. Right. So there's lots of that. So that does yeah. make that unique. And you may not find that, you know, if you're working at uh, oil and gas company is a good example. Um, but, but still people are not sleeping when they're, you know, say if you work for an oil and gas company, they're still not sleeping when they're going home. They right. have poor sleep habits. And so the numbers seem to kind of bear out to the, be the same. Right. The, the thing that is just incredible is that when you are sleeping less than six hours a night, and that was the, the number we wanted to focus on is what are the hazards of that? Mm -hmm. What we're finding is that your emotional center, your amygdala, is 60% more reactive. So Steve Reese, you give him uh, you know, sleeping less than six hours, and I was on average before I began my rehab, so to speak, I was at about five hours, four and a half hours a night. Yeah. Um, I was... 60% more emotional, but then also your prefrontal cortex, another part of the brain, that allows you to apply the brakes and stop for being a mean sort of idiot, um, is 70% less reactive. So there's really this dual effect that you have that you're more reactive and your ability to stop yourself from being mean is more difficult. And so to me, this really kind of became a mission first for dealing with health. Then it became a mission to deal with culture and performance, and I felt like the performance of, say, injury statistics and all sorts of other stuff is about the same for a player as what it is for the front office. Wow. We just have different applications, and so what we wanted to do was to give all of us in the front office the benefit of a doubt and say, hey, uh, we very much care for your health and your well-being, mm -hmm. and let's just see if there's a way that we can move that needle from maybe being a six-hour night sleeper to, say, six and a half. 
you know, it's better than nothing. So well, what that's how uh, we began down that trail. So what were the end results? What, what were the findings? Yeah, so what we discovered is we, we basically rated everybody, this is a little subjective, we rated everybody based on happiness, um, their productivity, their ability to focus, and we had a dramatic increase from everybody who just said, okay, I now feel as if I have the tools, right. and when I'm laying in bed, uh, I could be laying in bed, uh, Matt Walker, who's a wonderful sleep scientist who I've got to give tons of credit to, he has a uh, book called uh, Why We Sleep, and he's, he works up here at UC Berkeley, runs their sleep sciences study. Um, you know, Matt Walker has a lot of stuff in there as far as just our ability to focus and everything else. And so for us, it ended up being that um, uh, everybody who was there just felt like their happiness went up. They were a little bit more in control. And But, you know, when you change behavior like sleep and there's such a stigma against it, a bias against it, right. it takes a long time to change it. And I know my sleep habits took a good two years to get fully in line. Wow. Uh, we run the 90, 120 day boot camp, but it'll probably take those participants a good year, year and a half just to get back into proper hygiene. But we wanted to at least give them the proper tools to kick off and to be able to manage that. And um, honestly, you have a part of their lives that was totally out of control right. and give them the ability to have it in control. And that's very empowering when you can say, I'm laying in bed, right. uh, and I have a sleep opportunity of eight hours that I may be in the bed, but I'm only sleeping four. So to be able to increase that, and that's really what Matt Walker pushes a lot, is having the ability to be in the sack, be in bed. Now, how do I utilize that time the best? Uh -huh. And that's probably what we try to train through a myriad of tools that we pass out, uh, probably 15, 20 tools that we do when we pass out uh, in the beginning of the boot camp and give everybody the strategies they need. How long was it before you felt that? You felt the changes starting? Yeah. Um, I would say with me, it was a good 30 days. Oh. Um, I had two issues. One issue was is my inability to fall asleep. Um, so that, and that was an easy one for me to correct. The other was my uh, waking up in the middle of the night for three o'clock and being stressed. And mm -hmm. so, and we're pretty well running into those same two big issues uh, going on. So, um, but after, you know, I increased to about, probably pretty quickly to about six and a half hours. Okay. And then it just took me a little bit to jump over that seven hour number. Wow. Um, but I would say within 90 days, I began to felt really, really good. Uh, within nine months, I felt like I was really on track. Uh, I ended up losing over the first nine months, uh, close to 25 pounds wow. uh, of weight, three and a half inches on my uh, waistband. So if you go undergo this and you start losing weight, don't worry. You're gonna have to throw all your clothes away and start <laughs> over. That may not be a good that, thing. All right. I think <laughs> that for that reason, <laughs> it is a good thing. So you better have a good tailor on your <laughs> mind. Um, I ended up losing close to six percent body fat, and so That's amazing. Now I, I'm not carrying a lot of weight to begin with, but to be able to have that just organically fall off, and so part of it was the fact that you've got these chemicals in your body. One is called ghrelin. One's called leptin. Uh, ghrelin tells you I'm hungry. Mm. Leptin says I'm full. And so when you're sleeping properly, what happens is you end up with a higher quantity of leptin, which uh -huh. in your brain says I'm full and less ghrelin. And so what happened is as my sleep began to take over, um, I began to really have my, my taste buds kind of change, so to speak. Um, I no longer wanted to eat potato chips, which I love and I could eat them all day. Um, but I go to lunch and honestly, I just kind of feel like steamed broccoli as part of the meal. Wow. And so what happened, it was a dual effect in that not only did I get more sleep and I had less ghrelin, more leptin, but then I seemed to just eat 
better mm -hmm. um, naturally. It wasn't something that I consciously thought of. And wow. then with that, I had more energy, so I worked out harder. So when I combined all three of those things, that ended up meaning 25 pounds. That's and I had people who started noticing a little bit before me. <laughs> and so with that, it was great. They were like, what's going on here? What are you yeah. doing, right? What's going on? <laughs> and so that began to capture other people's attention, saying, what in the heck are you doing? And uh, my, Aaron Nelson and I, we had burned through close to 25, 30 products and um, things that we tried wow. to figure out can we sleep. Um, I tried, I was hypnotized, uh, that was interesting. Wow. Uh, I was sensory deprivation tank, uh, cranial electrical stimulation, uh, just all sorts of stuff. Some things fell by the wayside, some things had, you know, kind of stood out when we were all finished with it. Yeah. Um, but it was wonderful that the majority of the things we did were very low cost and they were just ad adjustments. So what I would say is that it, there's not necessarily a technique or any kind of magic bullet. The biggest thing is just your desire to say, okay, I'm going to fix this. What do I do? Right. And then look at yourself as a lab rat and <laughs> figure out how am I going to go ahead and just figure out works and doesn't work. And so for everybody, it's going to be a little bit different. Right. Um, but for me, what I end up doing is when I, usually there's no caffeine afternoon. Uh, caffeine, when you drink it, has a half-life of five hours. Mm. So if I drink it at noon, it's going to peak at five o'clock and then not wait off until about 10. Wow. So I figured that afternoon, okay, that's it. Wow. No more caffeine. Okay. Simple, no cost thing. Right. Um, if you're sleep deprived, that's a tough one because you're going to have to fight through for a little bit. Then what I did is also uh, end up getting a pair of blue light filtering glasses. Mm. So now I have more energy. Go work out after work. When I get home, I pop the blue light filtering glasses on and that does a lot to assist with melatonin production because then instead of the blue light being in the eyes and it halting the melatonin production, like for instance, your iPad can delay your melatonin production by close to 90 minutes. And wow. so with all that being said, so these were just very, very simple things and then just being consistent with when I go to bed yeah. and with when I wake up and those types of things ended up being, you know, the, the big key to what we did. So it was a, you know, um, wonderful journey. The, the second issue is with waking up early at four o'clock. So what I began to do to deal with that is that there, uh, I started going to CES and going to all the mental health seminars, um, trying to look at what were the things that were done for PTSD, uh, mental health, what are some things, if we're calming down somebody with PTSD, maybe it'd calm me down. Right. And so I ran into a company called Nucalm, N-U-C-A-L-M, and what Nucalm had was a uh, cranial electrical stimulation device or a CES device that what they did is you put that on and you combine it with binaural beats and a little bit of cream on the neck that kind of reduces your adrenaline, uh, amount of adrenaline you have. And I would then do that at four in the morning. I wake up, I'd put the Nucalm on and then I would go back to bed and then it would settle me down and that allowed me to continue to not waste those two hours that I needed. So that's how I, and that was like a dramatic jump from you know the five hours, five and a half hours, and then that pushed me over the top to seven, seven and a half hours. So you said something during the panel that you know a lot of when it comes to sports franchises, they spend a lot of resources trying to optimize you know the actual professional talent. Right. But you thought it was just as important in this regard to help the actual folks you know on the business side of it. Right. Right. Why did you? Why was it so important to do that when? It seems like the industry focuses purely on the talent when it comes to this stuff. Well, I would look at it in two ways. Um, first off, 
I've looked at a number of teams that are very successful. Mm -hmm. And let's just take it when I was with the Tennessee Titans. Good example. We made it to Super Bowl 34 back in Atlanta. Your hometown. Yeah, I remember that. There you go, right there. <laughs> Super Bowl 34. That's true. Um, How does this remember? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a story behind that. I'll tell you later. Um, and what happened is so during that year, I ended up uh, uh, implementing a video editing system that saved our team a whole bunch of time. And so what happened is not only did it end up making our coaches happier, it also made our staff happier. So in talking to Greg Williams, who was our defensive coordinator at the time, mm -hmm. um, one of the statements he made was, which really had just stuck with me through the years, is when I had the end of the year assessment on what did we do that was good, bad, and ugly, and he said, man, you just saved me so much time on the video editing system, I had more time to go home and sleep. That made me a better father, made wow. me a better coach, helped me to relate to the players better. And so with that, I kind of felt like uh, when you look at front offices that are very unified, sometimes if they're just a little bit better, it could be that half percent, that one percent better, mm -hmm. where the players just feel that love, they get that service a little bit better, and that gives them just a little bit more motivation for being on the, on the court. Mm -hmm. So I feel that as a group of folks that are supporting the players, if we're restored better, you hope to give that off to the players and the rest of the staff. But there's also some really hard cost to this. Mm. And so one of the things we do with our sleep boot camp is we do uh, sleep apnea testing right from the beginning. Wow. And, and that's part of it. So 30% of the US population has moderate to severe sleep apnea. And so what we do is that there's a there's a app called Drowsel. It's from a company called Resonia. It's a startup in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm. What we do is we sleep apnea test everybody over the course of three nights for the for the part of our test and then what happens this app listens to them it gets passed off to a chief medical officer at mm. Drowsel, and then they will come back and say hey we've got an issue with what's going on you've got some sleep apnea wow. so if somebody has sleep apnea that's really the place to begin because you can do all the sleep stuff you want but if they have sleep apnea that's a showstopper right there okay. so that's where we stop mm -hmm. so sleep apnea when you look at it will cost the average employer for a person who has it $3,500 a year. Mm. So if 30% of the population has it, kind of just run the numbers, um, but that ends up being, if you take sleep apnea for all of the NBA front offices, that's about a $14 million problem. Ooh. So my question would be, is from an employer standpoint, take an Exxon or a Shell or whoever, some huge company, and you take that number and say, if we simply treated sleep apnea, would we be better served by then reducing our cost of medical care because we've now addressed that, mm. and it seems counterintuitive, but it really does work that way. And so yeah. my hope really is, is that not only in sports entertainment, but just in general, that people really look at the cost of, if you're grinding your employees into the ground, um, you think you're becoming more productive, but in some respects, maybe you're not, because they're less cooperative. Mm. Uh, their, their time to exhaustion, uh, documented is 30%. Mm. So you end up reaching fatigue 30% sooner. So if you're in the course of an eight-hour day, 10-hour day, you're probably gassing out by two. You're yeah. probably gassed out when you come in the morning. So these are all things that not only apply to players on the court, but also to us in the front office. And those every little bit adds toward player performance. Right. So our performance really translates, my, my own personal opinion, into player performance as well. So, And that's, that's a really great story. I don't think a lot of people think about just how much a good night's sleep can be yeah you know from mental sharpness to physical health mm -hmm. and you said something before you it just you feel like you were a happier person and that translates to the people that you yeah. live and live with yeah it's so funny um, 
you know, my wife had, after I'd been through this, uh, had just made the comment that you're just so much happier. Wow. Um, and th that was a great compliment. What I had to wonder is what kind of person was I before that, right? And when you're sleep deprived, right. sometimes you don't quite see that because you're dealing with things from an internal standpoint. Right. Um, but, you know, hey, I got here as fast as I could type thing. Yeah. And I do realize that when I'm not sleeping well, uh, I'm not as nice of a person or I'm not as locked in. Um, and let's say yeah. a great example would be this. So I'm not sure how many uh, interruptions you get during the course of a day. I've documented with me this personally, and it's at least once every eight minutes. And, okay. <laughs> Is that via email or text it could, it could or be, phone? It or could be email, I need you now, mm -hmm. right? And I'll, my reaction is I see email come through, I just stop, ooh, check, okay, not important, go back to my work, right? Interruption. Phone call, somebody coming up to the door. The, the, the reaction I'm most concerned about is the person that comes up to the door and says, hey, Steve, can I talk to you about something? Because when you're locked in mm -hmm. and I'm well slept, I'm able to turn and say, hey, what's up? Right. And deal with it nice. When I'm not well slept, I turn to the door and I've got this rage in my <laughs> eyes like, yeah, help me out, what, kind of thing. Right. And so, so to me, you know, the ability to simply deal with that effectively and then turn from this interruption, which honestly is probably a, uh, you know, a very worthwhile thing, people right. asking for advice or a decision, right. but then my ability to turn back in and lock into work and what I'm trying to do, that's where I've seen the huge improvement. Wow. Um, so that to me is if you're looking at locking in, mm -hmm. um, that's been it. And uh, the other thing I studied on myself was how many times do I yawn uh, before noon? Um, huh. So I yawned all the time. Uh, but I've kind of went to the point now to where there's a natural physiological ebb and flow after you eat and after your meal and all that. Uh, so I'll yawn a little bit in the afternoon, but honestly, I rarely yawn in the morning anymore. Hmm. But a lot of it, I believe, is just that. So I think they all kind of tie in together. One last question. When, do you start to feel like you're slipping back if, you, if there's a certain amount of days that, like in a row, you, you get only four or five hours sleep? Do you start to feel yourself going backwards into what you were before all this? Yeah, totally. Um, I, I try and I, I'm telling you, uh, that was such an awful feeling when I slide back into that. Mm -hmm. um, the difference seems very much more exaggerated than what it used to be because oh. I was so used to it before. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed that so much more. So last night's a great example. Here we are, we're in a town, <laughs> we're in a beautiful area. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm sitting there at seven o'clock and I'm like, okay, stop drinking because that's gonna impact my sleep. I need to get back to the room by nine. And so to me, it's almost like the scared straight version <laughs> of sleep deprivation, that when you go through that and you understand what it feels like to not be there, uh, it pretty well motivates you to say, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, so a lot of my work now has been geared on, once again, that sleep opportunity. Right. How do I use that the best I can? So alcohol consumption, after about seven o'clock, I attempt to cut that off because that impacts. Um, you know, there's all sorts of little things like that, and mm. um, but I just feel as if now I restore and sleep wiser, even though the same elapsed time is going by. And uh, you know, it's just Americans today are just very stressed out. I'm not sure if it's the news cycle. I'm not sure if it's just there's so much focus on this. Uh, part of it's probably lack of sleep, but whatever it is, we've now found ourselves in this really, really vicious cycle 
um, where we're kind of caught there. Yeah. And so this right here has allowed me to look at the news, laugh a little bit more, and just engage better. But, uh, you know, um, there's really not much low-hanging fruit these days. Yeah. Uh, this truly is one of those things. See, this has been great. <laughs> I'm glad you had me intrigued when we were doing the panel, so I, I'm so glad we were able to do this conversation and get a little deeper into that. Well, thank you so much for having me, besides the fact that you're a Rams fan. <laughs> now I like the Rams, my days are over with the Titans, so, you know, I, I can forgive and forget. Okay, so you don't mind if I, you know, what was he trying to go like this? Was it the Kevin Dyson was <laughs> reaching. He tried it. And I was sitting there in the 30 yard line and I was watching <laughs> that go by. I couldn't believe it. So anyway, yeah. yeah. I live in Atlanta. But I couldn't go to the game because I have to watch Rams games by myself in the Super Bowl. Uh, I was sitting in the dark, and I was like, I was just waiting for that moment. Oh my God, he's going to tie it up. Well, it, well, for me, that was the difference between a twelve thousand dollar ring and an eighteen thousand dollar <laughs> ring. I just want to let you know, and the bonus probably got impacted somehow too. But anyway, that was the, that was the difference between the two. So anyway. Hey, I'm glad that you can still get a good night's sleep now. As long as it made you happy, I'll, I'll give <laughs> it. Thanks again, man. This hey, has thank been you great. so much. Thanks.